Coming up on today's show, Zack Snyder still defending Batfleck, Apple's new streaming service, and we have a spoiler-heavy review of Us. Stay tuned. Welcome to the Film Study Podcast here on WRTS, presented by Uninterrupted. I'm Spencer Pacinger, and I'm here with my good friend, Dane Mork. Hey, guys. Uh, interact with the show by following us on social, at Pacinger is Spencer's handle, and I'm at Dane Mork, and be sure to use the hashtag Film Study Podcast. Rate five stars, review, and subscribe to the show wherever you get podcasts. And we're also here with producer Matt. Hey, we're hanging. guys. Ooh. What is going on? <laughs> What's up? Hey, so we're excited for today. Yes. Um... Going to get into some hot takes, then we're going to talk about the Apple streaming service and what that means to the industry as a whole, and then yep. get into a spoiler, spoiler-heavy review of us. us. I know you guys are excited to do that. You've yes. seen it already. I, I have not seen it. I've been too busy. Oh I've been God. too busy, actually. Bi- no, I've been binging this new show on <laughs> Netflix. Have you guys heard of it? No. It's no. called All American. Oh, it was originally oh, no. on the CW. Cool. I think I may have heard of that show. Yeah. 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 It, uh, it, it came out March <laughs> Well done, uh, March producer Matt. Oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's not a deal <laughs> um but yeah how exciting is that first i, I just want to get into that first i yeah. ambush you guys with this but like how exciting is it to have your show on netflix now it's fucking dope we're both like, smiling pretty yeah, big right like, now we're happy we're cheesing pretty hard right now but i woke up to a handful of texts and pictures from people that have already started binging it yeah and that's you know seven o'clock eight o'clock in the morning so yeah i'm just extremely happy i shit i spend half of my day binge watching netflix shows anyway so I'm gonna definitely throw this up. A buddy of mine, a buddy, <laughs> my friend Dave. I woke up and he sent me a, a text. He's like, I, "I got ready for work. Just let it play. I'm already six episodes in. <laughs> I feel like I've only watched two, but it's playing, man. Like it's going." And I'm like, "Yes, no, thank I'm, you." I'm playing it round the clock on my TV and just gonna come down like every three hours and just press like, "Are you still watching this show?" Like, yes, yeah. just to get, <laughs> just to get the spans keep going. Yeah, yeah. So, so if you're listening, take a hint. <laughs> just like play it on the background. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that's exciting. So let's. Uh, so they can check it out on Netflix. Yes, right mm-hmm. now. Right now. Yes, right it's, now. It's streamable. Whole season. Right now. Whole season. Whole so first season. After you listen to this podcast, you guys go watch All American yes. on Netflix. Uh, so first up, hot takes. Let's get into. So you guys were just raving about me as a producer, right? <laughs> okay. Yeah. Everything uh, I do is amazing, except last week. I cut you guys off before you were allowed to talk about Lucy in the Sky. So I was a terrible producer last week. I was so excited to talk about this. Lucy in the Sky trailer, take one. Astronaut PTSD at his finest. He's not wrong. I did look into this. Okay, the trailer looks great. It's starring Natalie Portman and John Hamm. Zazie Beats. Zazie Beats. I will not forget Zazie. No. Um, It's directed by Noah Hawley, who actually did, you know, Legion on FX, which I think. Yeah. Another conversation, great show. Yeah, um, and it's funny you say that. What what Spencer's you know talking about is basically Natalie Portman's character goes up into space, and it's a new look at the world. You know, everything, nothing matters from that perspective, and it's dealing with those effects when she comes down. And what I actually learned is they call that the overview effect, and it's a shift in awareness that astronauts report mm-hmm. when they see Earth from outer space. And so that it sounds be, that must be fucking wild. I, I couldn't imagine that. But uh, I did a little more research on this story, and this woman, her name is Lisa Nowak. That is who Natalie Portman is playing. Um, 
former NASA astronaut, had a wonderful career. But this story goes in a very different direction from what I, the true story um, than what you would think. Um, the trailer kind of paints it as kind of a bleak, you know, very, I'm dealing with, you know, these demons from, from being in space, all of these things. But what happened really is a little different than uh, what you'd expect. Well, when you, when you open up and see the trailer, she's just floating in the abyss of, of space. And yeah. she's looking at Earth, and she can see all of Earth from her perspective. And like, I think a tear comes out of her eyes. Then what I believe to be John Hamm on an intercom is talking to her, saying, like, hey, it's time to come back in, or it's time to wrap it up. Mm-hmm. And that propels you into the story of her coming back down and just not, just not being connected to the world. So just being in her position, how could you pretty much walk out of of what you know life to be and see its totality and then dive back into it knowing that you're just a speck in this fucking universe. Absolutely. Like that would be a mind fuck. Well, and I think that's why, you know, the movie, they, I feel like they're going to accomplish that early on. Mm-hmm. And then a majority of the movie is her just how she rebounds from that because the real story, she loses her mind. Mm-hmm. Um, she has, you know, not without blowing it. I mean, this is this actually happened, but she hadn't, you know, there was a reported affair um, with John Hamm's character in real yeah, life. Yeah, it's, it's in the trailer. Yeah, it's in the trailer. You know, you know that. But, you know, what happens down the road when John Hamm remarries? Um, you know, she has this incident where she basically attempts to kidnap his his new Spicy. wife. Yeah. <laughs> the funny part about it is I'm she, not I'm, she I'm drives. Laughing, I'm not laughing. The way she did it was she got in a car stuffed with a drilling hammer and she had a BB gun and a bunch of materials and she drove 900 miles from Houston to Orlando to uh, attempt to kidnap this woman while wearing an adult diaper, diaper Yes, so she could piss herself the whole time and never had to stop for a bathroom I remember break. this story. That's Lucy in the Sky. I didn't know this is based <laughs> off her. Yes. Oh it all makes sense. I remember that like... The woman wearing a diaper and just shitting and, and pissing for yeah. her, like days. Yeah, in like a Chevy. There. Yeah. Whoa, I didn't yeah, I didn't know that was it's a, that I, story. Now I want to see it even. We're more. gonna see Natalie Portman doing that. <laughs> so anyways, I, I, I got down this rabbit hole and, and saw that and I was like, I don't know where this movie's gonna go, but I have a somewhat of an idea now. <laughs> well, you know, this just kinda goes back to that that PTSD conversation when it comes to we've only really seen PTSD portrayed from from Army's perspective, from right. soldiers coming back home, we haven't necessarily seen that in in people coming back from outer space, astronauts. Like, mm-hmm. I'm so interested to see what that entails from that scope of the world because as an athlete, players go through this shit too, where you, you, you're playing at the highest part of your game. You're in the NFL, NBA, MLB, whatever. You're making a tons of money. You're making, like, lights, camera, action is all on you. But then once you pretty much walk away from that, whether you want to or not, that game walks away from you. Absolutely, you yeah. You don't know who you are anymore without the game because you're so tethered to, oh, us tying. <laughs> Dang. You're so, you're so tethered to what the sport is or, or what, you know, the high demand stakes job that you're in. And once it's gone, like, you really don't know who you are. So yeah. I'm interested to see from this perspective of an astronaut coming back. It'll, I can guarantee you it'll fuck me up if I saw all of Earth and then dove back into it. That's some, like, Inception-like shit for me. And just 
you went to space. Like, what are you going to do next? <laughs> you know, like the next goal is like the moon, right? Or like Mars. Yeah. Imagine going to space and seeing that. And next week you come down and you're like, oh, I have to run errands to CBS. Like my car broke down. Oh, I have to, I have to sign some checks. Like nothing. It's point, everything not a is toothpaste. pointless after that. Yeah. Well, speaking of not being able to let something go, Zack Snyder uh, responded <laughs> to the backlash over Batman killing in the DCEU. He kind of went off. So take two. Zack Snyder doesn't on, care. Sorry. I gotta dip out. Do you guys? Oh, okay. Bye, John. <laughs> All right. Zack Snyder doesn't care about. Uh, <laughs> I thought you were about to this. say black people. Zach, Zach, <laughs> 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 some, Kanye. Kanye. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Zach, no. <laughs> Zach, Zach Snyder doesn't care about your kids, Batman. Yeah. At all. Yeah. And. We found that out um, very recently uh, with some of his comments uh, in regards to Batman v Superman because, look, ever since this movie came out in 2016, people have just given it shit for what it is. And I somewhat like the director's cut, the extended cut. Mm -hmm. I don't like the normal cut that much. But... Um, and most people, most people have said they like Snyder's director's cut. Yeah. And I, I like it a little more. It, it, it's longer. It's mm -hmm. almost... A, it's over a three-hour movie. But... I feel like Snyder has spent the last two years, you know, I know he's dealt with some family issues, but he's also just, he's had to defend this movie. Yeah. And I finally think he had a breaking point the other day. Well, not just this movie, this character. This character, yeah. yeah. I mean, casting Affleck at the start was like, you he know. Like, he called into a Chicago radio station to like, to essentially prop up the movie. I'm like, yo, what are you doing? Yeah. Go about like your recently? day. Recently, they said he caught into a caught into a radio station and was pretty much defending his vision and and the character behind behind Batman Superman. It was just like, what are you doing? Well, you see that a little bit. Like Ryan Johnson did the same thing with like justifying how much he knows about the Force, and he's like, well, right. actually, the Jedi way, and he like pulls out a manual and he's like <laughs> taking well, photos of it. There's, I mean, just look at comment sections like nowadays. You know, there's no escape from like putting your work out there, like what people can say and what they can do. And like, I've even read some things where I'm like, let's, let's chill. But at the same time, I, I, I understand his frustration, but it, it also just, it didn't turn into a very good movie. And, you know, he was at a panel the other day and again, you know, it's 2019, three years later, someone goes, you know, Batman's killing, like <laughs> what's going on with this? And, you know, spoiler alert for Batman vs Superman, but Ben Affleck kills a lot of people. He goes, the, the person in the crowd's like, my superhero doesn't, or Batman doesn't kill people, or something like that. And that just that sent Snyder off the Richter, where he's. It seemed like he discovered the word "fuck" in that moment. Like he was yeah. a kid that was like, "Oh, I have this new power." Yeah. And now I'm going to wield it. Do you remember <laughs> remember discovering a cuss word and you'd use it like the whole day? And you exactly. That's that just it just felt like that where yeah. he was just like, "Oh, fuck, fuck, Batman, fuck, fuck." fuck and you know, he got off stage and was like, "Did I say fuck too much?" <laughs> Uh, do you want me to do the monologue? Please, I kind of can't. Yeah, yeah. Okay, well, please. and let's, I mean, to set that up, I mean, this is how he replied to it. And, and producer Matt has it down. Okay. This is, uh, this is Matt Perret, uh reading for the role of Zack <laughs> Snyder. Take Some two. Someone says to me, Batman killed a guy. I'm like, fuck, really? Wake the fuck up. I guess that's what I'm saying. Once you've lost your virginity, this fucking movie. And then you come and say to me something about like, my superhero wouldn't do that. I'm like, are you serious? I'm like <laughs> down the fucking road on that. It's a cool point of view to be like, 
My heroes are still innocent. My heroes didn't fucking lie to America. My heroes didn't embezzle money from their corporations. My heroes didn't fucking commit any atrocities. That's cool. But you're living in a fucking dream world. <laughs> See, it, like, that's what? Probably like 10 fucks and... And you know he, how many he literally gave all the fucks. And you know how many kids <laughs> under ten, you know how many kids under ten were there. Oh. So like it, it's crazy, but it, it kind of reminds me. And and I'm I'm not bouncing away, but you know that's you saw Ant Man and the Wasp. Yeah, that scene where with you. Randall Park explains why Paul Rudd's character is arrested to the kid. Yeah, and at the end, the kid's like, "What the? F- what are you talking about?" <laughs> and Paul Rudd's like, "You're really great with kids." Like. It's like one of those situations where I'm like picturing all the kids in the crowd, like what's happening right now? What is embezzling? Well, like I, what are corporations? Well, I, ju- I just feel like when when you're in that stage and you're saying fuck so much, you don't necessarily have a true answer. So you're allowing fuck to kind of be the bandage over the true feelings that you can't express. Mm-hmm. Like uh, my special teams coach, special teams assistant coach back with the Giants, shout out to Larry Izzo. Larry Izzo was a linebacker for the Patriots um, and, and the Jets. He has the special teams record for most special teams tackles in the NFL. Dude's like, dude's a boss. He's like a four-time Super Bowl champion. Like he was my he was my compass when it came to being a special teams player in the league. But my man could not explain anything in the room, so he would always get <laughs> he'd get his like five-minute session to to build up whatever he was teaching that day. Yeah, and I had a fuck count in my notebook of like every time he said fuck within his five minutes sitting next to like Mark Herzlig and like Henry Hanoski shout out to them but in a five minute period his most he's ever done was somewhere like in the 80s That's because unreal. it was just like it was like I you know this this fucking guy he's gonna come <laughs> down here and then yeah you, you fucking just hit him in the face I, you're not gonna fucking you're not gonna fucking tackle him just fucking run fucking through him oh my but God. it was just like every time he would say fuck it was just another tally and it got to a point where people would look to me in the auditorium like, yo, how many did he do? How many did he do? I'm like, 75. That's nuts. 63. This is a light day for me. That's, <laughs> but, I mean, that's a bit much. This was a great dude, but like, my man used fuck just like, just like Zack Snyder did. Once you pick up on that, too, you can't unhear it. It's like when someone has a bad habit of saying, um. <laughs> or, uh, I like the last yeah. line where he goes, you're living in a fucking dream world. <laughs> like, dude. There's kids looking at you like, what is well, happening? I mean, that's, that's it a is a dream world. world. Yeah. It's, it's Batman it's and Superman. Superman. I firmly believe that a billionaire, no, whether real, fictional, or whatever, billionaires, the fact that you've accumulated that much money, you are responsible for at least one human life. Yeah, you so, said this the other day. So Batman, obviously he's fucking yeah. playboy, whatever, billionaire, but like, come on. You're just trying to tell me you're a billionaire and you fucking beat up people at night and you don't have a kill count? I'm good. What's this day like? He's always wondered that. Just depressed, wearing black all the time. Well, that was not the only superhero news this week. So Angelina Jolie is in talks to join Marvel's The Eternals. Yes. So take three. It's time for Angelina Jolie to remind people how good of an actress she is. Yeah, and enough of this maleficence. <laughs> <laughs> Do away with the maleficence. Yeah, no more maleficence. Um, but those- I will say, shout out Beverly Hills alumni. So we have we have that kinship. So when I see her eventually, I'm be like, mm. yo, BH normal. That's up? right. Hey, and her high school senior photo, she looks just like her dad, John Boyd. <laughs> if if you have a moment, look at it. It's like, oh, that that is his daughter. Oh, that makes sense. Like, where'd you jeans. have homeroom? Remember John Voight? <laughs> but. Yeah, and Coach for Kilmer. those who don't know, the Eternals 
I mean, Marvel's digging deep in their bag now, and the fact that they're getting Angelina Jolie as a lead in it is yeah. batshit crazy. But to nerd out for a second, the Eternals are a powerful race of cosmic beings, it says, who've existed in, in our solar system for millions of years, and they all look human on the outside with advanced biology. So basically, they're just superheroes who live a really long time. <sighs> um, the one thing that's interesting about this movie, other than Angelina, Julie being cast is um, it's supposed to take place over thousands of years. Mm -hmm. And there's something about that that's interesting because um, they actually mention these characters in the first Guardians of the Galaxy and in Galax Guardians of the Galaxy 2 um, with the Infinity Stones and, you know, yeah. the dude was holding it. And uh, when Benicio del Toro's co uh, collectors yeah, explaining yeah. how the stones go through the years, yeah. yeah, one of the guys is holding it and like, uh, destroys that planet. Isn't that a celestial? A celestial, but it kind of runs in the same. It's, a, it's in, in the, the same, same vein, in the okay. same kind of vein. Um, both, yeah. Um, I mean, okay, great. We get another Marvel movie, but I don't want Marvel to go down this path where they're just creating clusters of superheroes that are going to band together or have these one-offs together. Like, I like the origin stories. I like the I like the you know the Iron Man twos, three. Well, not necessarily three, but. I don't want it to get to a point where we're just watching different versions of Guardians of the Galaxy go about doing hijinks across the universe. I'm not getting that vibe. Um, it's, I do trust them, yeah, but I'm wary. I am too. I also just like, I mean, I'm, I'm curious to see casting where they go with this. I mean, it looks like they're really trying to go diverse. They, Chloe Zhao is directing it, um, and she, she hasn't done much. She's, done, she's stuck more with indies and... Mm -hmm. um, you know, she was an interesting hire, but everyone seemed really excited when she came on. Um, I, I don't know. You know, that first casting announcement, really, I'm really excited. Yeah. And that's a good first step. And it's just, you know, shocker. Another Marvel yeah. another Marvel movie coming down the pipeline. <laughs> phase 10. Phase 92. Phase 10 on Disney Plus Plus. <laughs> like, phase 90. We're doing our best. <laughs> Let's kind of dive in to Apple's streaming service. Like, this isn't going to be a hot take. We're going to really just kind of dive into this one. Yeah, there's a lot of, there. It, it impacts the industry so a lot. Um, so Apple had their keynote uh, where they announced... Uh, Disney TV Plus, uh, Dis uh, I'm sorry, I'm saying Disney. Um, <laughs> Apple announced Disney. No, Apple announced Apple TV Plus and Apple Arcade and Apple News, Apple News Apple mm -hmm. Card. So I guess, how does this kind of apples? Yeah, how does this shake up the industry? What do you guys think of the streaming platform that they're going to be launching? I, just, I feel like Apple's sort of trying to rediscover themselves. Uh, they've been at the top of the game for so long, but we do know that Apple sales are starting to plateau. So they're looking to other avenues of, of income. And yes, like we don't, we don't need to care about how much money they make or how much money they save. I know they have like hundreds of billions of dollars just in cash, just accumulating, but they still want to be relevant in this game. So I think they, this was a play for them to say, hey, we're still here. We're still relevant. Yes, we, we're not going to offer anything to you right now, but within the next year, we're going to have these rollouts. And that's something that was interesting that I caught was just the fact that usually when they have these keynote announcements, they release something that day or they release the whole slate that day. Like this is now available on all of your platforms. But the more and more you watched outside of the new Apple News app, everything was coming out in May or in fall. Yeah. They didn't release any pricing because they're still figuring that out. Even with the even with the bank card, they're still figuring out some some stuff with Goldman Sachs and Mastercard to bring that to the forefront. But this was just 
in my opinion, a an attempt for them to plant their flag and say, we're still relevant in this game. Even though it's right. a new game to be played, we're still here and we're st- even we're diving into it, but we're still going to be the best. It's it's funny because you talk to people now and no one has cable. No one's really, you know, especially, you I know, don't. people around our age. I don't either. Um, I do. Everyone but Spencer <laughs> has cable. But you know I'll what I'm saying? But though. you know I'll what I'm saying? Yeah, you're 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 considering that and and you know, the idea of that is you watch what you want to watch, so you tailor, you know, you tailor it how you want it. Mm-hmm. And I like the idea of, you know, having access to, I mean, the Apple TV update, like the Apple channels, like that sounds pretty appealing. And I know they're really going to get you with that because of the original programming they're doing. Yeah. And some of the original programming they're doing looked really cool to me. Well, they're going to, they they struck agreements with uh, Samsung, with Roku, and a few other TV providers to where they're going to be able to upload the the new Apple TV uh, uh, application onto all these TVs. Smart TVs, new, Amazon Fire TV. Amazon Fire, like it's, it's going yeah. to be great and accessible to everybody. Like the, the names that they have attached to it, you have Steve, Steve Corral, Reese Witherspoon, Jennifer Aniston, uh, Kevin Durant, Jason Moma. Um, Alfred Woodard, yeah. Alfred Woodard, like there's so many, fucking Oprah, like yeah. Steven Spielberg. Oh yeah, she's big. Like, like <laughs> J.J. Abrams, Sarah Bareilles, like by the way, like the J.J. Abrams, Sarah Bareilles, like that show, is going to be like next Glee in my opinion. Right? Really? That's me putting my tin hat on. That's but cool. There's there's so many names that, that came to the forefront in this. I mean, even Sesame Street. Like everybody loves like you can't talk shit about Sesame Street. Right. But they're building out this platform of these just some of the greatest minds in entertainment. But that does lead me to say Steven Spielberg is a fucking hypocrite. Yeah. He is the he's <laughs> <laughs> And I, I hate talking foul about Steven Spielberg so much because like he's helped shape my childhood. But one week ago, two weeks ago, whatever, you can't talk about Netflix saying, oh, you guys need to put your movies in theaters and I don't like streaming and we need to make these restrictions for such and such. And then now you're standing at the keynote saying, oh, here I am. Ambient uh, Productions are going to be on Apple streaming services. Like, you're playing both sides of the coin. It leads me to believe that he's sort of this like dark genius that knew exactly what he was doing by shitting on uh, Netflix and the other streaming services and then being like, hey, if you like me, come over to Apple. Right. Yeah, I think he's just, you know, trying to please everybody. Uh, I, I think he got some shit for what he said, <laughs> and I think he's pulling back a little bit. Um, I'm not going to talk shit to Steven Spielberg, <laughs> but uh, I, I understand and I, I, I do agree with you on that aspect because just a few weeks ago, we were like, what's up with this dude? Yeah. So I mean, we could be critical. I, if I meet him, I'll, I'll kiss the ring. He's but clearly listening. I'd still yeah. be Bend critical. Bend the knee. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's, he's clearly listening to us, guys. Yeah. yeah. He spends an hour and a half of his day listening to us. Yeah, so we're pretty good. much. But from an industry standpoint, or just from an Apple standpoint, when you think about what they normally do with their apps and how much they want to keep it in their ecosystem with mm-hmm. their devices. It's like iPhone with iMessage is now on your MacBook and, and everything. I think it's interesting when you think about them allowing their app to be on other platforms or other uh, devices. That's yeah. new. Yeah. They don't do that. It's not seamless like Google does, mm-hmm. right? Where you can access Google Docs wherever you can you can watch YouTube wherever mm-hmm. it's very restricted on Apple I just think that I think that's fascinating that they're now allowing it 
to to be bigger than just Apple users. I think if if Steve Jobs was still alive, he probably wouldn't have wanted that. Mm. But you get a slightly bigger piece of the pie when you're able to implement your products on <laughs> on your competitors' products. That's it's sort of genius that they were able to do that. But I'm just I'm kind of weary of the direction of what they're going because although we know them to be their generational company, like. You know, this the era that we're living in will be marked by what Apple does. And they're they're so big on culture and they're so big on on just innovation that it almost feels like they're doing too much a little bit too late. Almost almost as if they're behind the wrecking ball when it comes to this, because why did they wait until 2019 to see this coming, to go into streaming when the Netflix, the Hulus, like even even the voodoos of the world, like Voodoo is another one that yeah. has it has to be on any device that is sold in a Walmart has to go yeah. be sold. Exactly. Zoom, I'll be Voodoo honest with you. I don't know installed. shit about Voodoo. Right. Exactly. Not yet. But it's, it's I just know it's Walmart. V-U-D-U, right? Yeah. Yes. It's, it's, it's owned by Walmart, and they're essentially building out an entire platform to rival these other streaming networks. So imagine... Imagine watching a movie on Vudu or, or watching a TV show on Vudu, then going into the store and being able to buy that merch specifically at that Walmart. Like, I get that. It's, it's a genius play. I understand, play, right. But that's why I'm like, how, if Apple's so innovative, why did it take them until 2019 to be able to get into this game? You would have thought, since they're sort of the driving force of this era, they would have got into it when they saw Netflix coming up. Yeah. But that's Apple, though. Mm-hmm. They're never the first ones to get in they weren't the first smartphone they weren't the first smart watch but they made the most True. popular no which True. is what's going to be interesting by the end of this year because by the end of 2019 we're going to have disney plus we're going to have uh this you know the apple apple tv plus yeah we're going to have um the dc the universe dc universe kind of, yeah, and so out. you know we say we don't have cable so like an example like you know i have espn i have the cw seed yeah. i have hulu like i have things that i can access to and watch shows but now I feel like I'm going to have to go to, I'm going to be paying more for these very specific exactly. things I just want to watch. And, you know what? and that's a pain in the ass. But it's like, I don't like, I like the show Titans on DCU. Like, yeah. I don't really know about the other ones. I want to watch that. But at the same time, 20 bucks a fucking month and then 20 bucks another fucking month and then another 20, you know, just to watch three shows I like on three different platforms. They're just going to bundle it all together. Again. First world, exactly. first world problems, exactly. but like. It's it's all fucking cyclical. We're, we we wanted to break apart this fucking monopoly of channels and saying like, hey, I don't watch 80% of these channels to begin with. Why am I paying for it? So now all these channels are coming out with their own sh- Like FX Now, uh, CBS uh, Showtime, CBS, all this stuff. So you're going to get to a point where people are going to start offering, and they're, they're already doing it to a certain extent, of if you get this cell phone, you're going to get a year's worth of Hulu and mm-hmm. such and such and such and such to the point now where companies going to get together and go, hey, you know what we should do? We should all come back together and offer for a lower price. And what do we have? You have fucking cable 2.0. So that's why I actually have kept my DirecTV so far is because – I'm paying like $60 when if I took if I did away with that and got Sling and got Netflix and got HBO Now all this stuff I'd be paying what $50 to I'd, I'd say $10 a month essentially. One one thing that actually really interested me uh with this was the way they presented it. Like look, I know the announcement was big and and kind of surprising and timing-wise didn't make tons of sense. But when they did that cast photo um <laughs> That was something where I think they were trying to take a different strategy, and, and maybe I'm wrong, but they were letting the artists be a little more front and center. Yeah. 
you don't really see that with these other brands. You, you, you get, you know, photos of their shows or whatever it may be, but these guys are front and center speaking about their, their content. And really it feels like they have with the, like Jason Momoa's show, like that sounds like something Jason Momoa would do. <laughs> so it's, it's kind of like, like they're really getting to, you know, fine tune their craft. What is the Jason Momoa show? It's, it's called C. Yeah. It's pretty much a post-apocalyptic world where nobody has vision. Um, a, Apparently something happened and a virus took away everybody's vision. So now the people that are living assume that the world actually never had sight to begin with and that it was just sort of this folklore story that was told in the past where obviously we can see if, it, if it's a TV show about a bunch of blind people wandering around the woods, like spoiler alert, there's probably going to be a kid born or a civilization discovered that can still see. Mm. Yeah. I mean... We all saw that coming, no pun intended, but like, it's, I, it's, it's bird box in the future, right? I'm calling bullshit if Jason Momoa has tattoos, because you can't be blind giving people tattoos. <laughs> so if he has tattoos... What if they're just like a bunch of like fucked up lines <laughs> and like a smiley face and like, oh my God, like I got this one when I like... No, you didn't. But how would you even know what a smiley face is? I just right. with mo you can do feel a smiley it, with it. motion. I'm picking it apart. I'm picking you just, it apart. It's, <laughs> and I think we're, we're picking apart. It. We're picking apart this uh, <laughs> this show. But it just it's so fascinating that uh, as an industry, like what this is going to do and how this is going to shake it up. I I have no idea like what this will look like within the next year. And I, I, that's that's what's really interesting to me. What was cool to me was to see Oprah uh, standing up there and doing her like. Everybody, like, you get a TV, you get a TV. She didn't say that specifically. <laughs> but, like, she was definitely, like, in her bag when she was talking up there. But she's in the process of creating two documentaries for, I believe, I believe the documentaries are meant for Apple. One is based around sexual assault. The other one's based around mental health. But what's going to be interesting is she's going to attempt to, and it's Oprah, like, she probably will be able to, to accomplish this. But she's going to build a world book club to where you can stream live conversations with her and the authors of the books that she chooses and have live commentary within the show. So I think amongst all this stuff that's happening, like that could be a great immersive experience for Apple users. It sounds like you don't even have to read the book. You just have to watch the show. Yeah, it's like <laughs> live monkey notes. Any final thoughts on this? Um, I, like I just said, I'm excited to see what, what really comes of this. Um, I, I don't know. I think... Once we get a look at more of that programming, that'll be kind of a, my decision-making process. Yeah. Um, but uh, hey, you know, it's just another crazy day I will, with Apple. I, I am excited <laughs> for, for Kevin Durant's. Uh, Kevin Durant's actually been making a lot of cool plays. He has. He, in last season, he was in Billions. He had a scene in Billions, which was like, I saw him, I was like, what are you doing here? Oh, okay, you're Kevin Durant mm -hmm. playing Kevin Durant, and you're in for 30 seconds. But his uh, 35 media company is creating a show called uh, Swagger, and it's about pretty much his upbringing in the AAU basketball world. So I think it's going to be a, a great collective. That's of, interesting. Of, yeah, it's gonna be, they, they, had a, they had casting calls in Los Angeles not too long ago. That's a unique uh, community. I think, like, we talk about this a lot. Right. The, the AAU basketball world, like the seven-on-seven -seven world of football, there's some great stories to be told in that atmosphere. So I'm excited that 
Kevin Durant has partnered with Apple to be able to tell. Even uh, Ron Howard's uh, production company is producing it. So, oh wow, yeah, it's 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 going to get the treatment it deserves. Guys like that being open to do like to tell an athlete's story Absolutely. too. Like that's like Ron Howard behind that. That's awesome. Yeah. All right, let's get into the film room. A spoiler, spoiler, <laughs> heavy review of us. Let's do it. Let's do it. So, what were you guys' overall thoughts of this movie? I thought there, was, there were a few plot holes, but overall I enjoyed my time seeing it, especially the second time. Uh, Jordan Peele does a great job of making you, almost forcing you to go and study and just look up as many videos and articles yeah. about his movies just to try to find those hidden gems out of in there. Because he blatantly says it, everything done in Get Out and Now Us was done with intent. Nothing... If you see something there and it's a it's a slight nod to something else, it was placed there for a reason. So he's really good at it's al he almost does that Marvel treatment where after you see a Marvel movie, for at least for guys like us, we go home and immediately get online and try to look for forums that are talking about the movies and what we caught and didn't and yeah. didn't catch. So I thought that was cool. Even the second we saw it, um, we saw it together for a second time and it was it was dope. There were, again, plot holes, but overall like it's definitely a must see. I agree with Spencer for the most part. When I first walked out of that movie, the first time we saw it, we both looked at each other and we were kind of like, what did we just see? But here's the thing, and I've heard this from numerous people, it's a movie that sticks with you once you leave the theater. And it did just that. And I knew, I was like, I have to go see this movie again. So yeah. we did an early morning screening, which, by the way, early morning screenings are pretty cool. And cheap. No one's there. What time? We went at 10.45. 10.45. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm sure people go earlier, but it was cool. Um, and we just sat there and just that second viewing felt it, like night and day to me. Yeah. Um, you could really, you know, because we started from the end, you know, going back kind of in a way where um, we really understood a lot of the characters' motivations more and a lot of the twists and a lot of where the story, what the story was trying to accomplish. And so after the second viewing, I actually walked out and I, I said, I, I really enjoyed this movie a lot more. And um, I mean, I'll and probably go again to be and pick up more things, which is what's great. For context, the week before the movie was available to the masses, people got to see the movie and were tweeting about it. And every tweet was like, "This cements Jordan Peele as a master of suspense, as a master storyteller. He's a Hitchcock. He's just he's just every great accolade you can give to an up and coming director coming yeah. to his own." They threw it his way. So the first time we saw it's very it, twenty nineteen of them. Yeah, it's it's very like <laughs> like it's everybody. The best. I cried so hard. Like, all all right. great things have happened in the past ten years, yeah, apparently, yeah. to the masses. Yeah. But when I walked out of the theater the first time, I was just like, I mean, I I get it, and I know there's deeper meanings into it, but I I don't know. I I need to see it again, and that's why when I when I went. And, and looked up some of the some of the innuendos that they had. It made me appreciate it even more. But I know a lot of people went into this movie wanting it to be the next Get Out. They wanted us. They wanted that suspense. They wanted that twist on horror. And Jordan Peele said, "Like, listen, this is a horror movie with a black family at the lead. Don't think it's going to be Get Out. This is another story I'm going to tell. So if you're going into it thinking you're going to get the Get Out experience." you're going to be disappointed, and that's what I don't want for you guys. So he, he laid it out there for us, and I'm glad he did because it allowed me to kind of, you know, take away what I wanted to get out of it and just watch it honestly. And this is what was funny, and this is how people go about movies nowadays. Uh, 
you know it took me a while to see Get Out. I saw it with you. Um, I loved Get Out. With this film, I was a little hesitant because I'm just I wasn't a big horror guy. The genre just yeah. never spoke to me growing up, and I just really didn't give a shit about it. People would go, "Are you going to see us?" And I'd say, ah, "I'm thinking about it." And before it even come out, they'd be like, "Well, like." you saw get out like you'll like it if you like get out you'll like this movie exactly. and i'm like what the fuck are you talking about like <laughs> exactly like i'm i'm the one reading interviews where he's like i'm not trying to make get out i'm not trying to do this and it was different and yes there were small little you know racial undertones but it, it was just a story about a black family just trying to get the fuck out of dodge and like just survive and then it it turned into this big global or this uh it took place all over the country yeah so yeah. you know it it that movie was not what I expected it to be. Yeah. And I'm really happy about that. And this, and Jordan Peele talks about it. He says, whenever you cast a black lead and let alone an entire black family to, you know, take the helm of this, of a role, there's going to be racial ties into it, whether mm -hmm. you want it to be or not. He said he didn't attempt that, but it just naturally manifests. Itself. It was just a, a black family at the lead, right? Exactly. It's not, it didn't have to be a black, but that was like the, like he just wants to cast Exactly. Black people, it, like he's didn't he say that too? That was yeah, something that he said. Jordan Jordan Peele clear as day said, "I have no interest in casting a white person as my leads." He goes, "Do I? I don't. It's not that I don't like them. Like so he does the like some of my best friends are white, but <laughs> he just he just said I've seen that story before. Like, I'm it, white. <laughs> it's <laughs> he feels he feels he feels a duty to put." black characters into these roles right. like imagine lupita like lupita's yeah. been ascending over oh, the past like year and a half killed it in that movie man but you know it's from it's from guys like like jordan pill and ryan coogler that put her in a position to succeed because if if you didn't have two black directors that put her in that position we wouldn't know how great of an actor she is and in us she fucking kills it like she should be up for an award she should she was so good i'm just i'm just weary that down the road all the other movies are gonna come out, and when award season happens, people naturally forget. Like right after uh, the Oscars, there's like one or two month period where whatever comes out is just gonna get kind of lost in history when it comes to that well, next year. Black Panther, season. true, but Black Panther billion dollars like global sensation, like it had to wait for that. This, right. this this one was cool because they said, I remember they asked Jordan Peele, they said, "What changed so much, you know, between Get Out doing Get Out and this movie?" He's like, "The money." They yeah. let me do like like I I had to prove myself with Get Out and like I have you know this one the, the studio guy coming from comedy right yeah coming so from comedy to prove yourself to be a director you know that's and hard and Bl Bloomhouse has taken some chances on these like small you know yeah. these kind of scripts and things like that and um which I think is awesome but you could tell the budget was there and um he 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 made. He made a cool movie. He, like he made the movie he wanted to make. And yeah, I think, I think at the end of the day, any creative, whether you know artist, director, mm -hmm. whatever, mm -hmm. producer, like you want to have complete freedom to do that. And just and if you don't know about how he came to be Jordan Peele that we know today, you know he studied at Second City in Chicago, was able to land a role on Mad TV. That's where he met Michael Keegan Key. Then they did Key and Peele show. Well. They Keegan Michael Key. Keegan Michael Key. What did I say? Michael Keegan Key. Michael. It's it's all Keegan Michael Keys and Keegans <laughs> and all that whatnot. But they got roles on Mad TV. That's where he met Michael Key. Michael Keegan Michael Key. Keegan Michael Key. But Jordan Peele actually was offered a role on SNL, and Mad TV wouldn't let him out. Of, really? Yeah, they wouldn't let him out of his contract, so he didn't take he didn't go on SNL, and that kind of left a sour taste in his mouth because he said. 
people that are uncreative are in these positions to make these decisions, and he <laughs> wants to be able to be a producer one day so he can do that. So he said he locked himself in a room, started smoking a lot of weed, and plotted his revenge, and now we're living in the in era that revenge. Of, of Peel's Revenge. This is, and that's, a, that's his next movie. That's his next Peel's movie. Revenge. <laughs> I, I get it, though. and I, You know, there's something about... You're, when we're working on projects, and not, not getting in this, but just whatever you do, like... If you tell the story you want to tell, you're going to tell it in a very authentic, genuine way. Yeah. And that's going to be the best product you're putting out. So if the dude wanted to do a horror movie because he knew that's what he wanted to tell and what he wanted to do best, that's probably the best version of something he would have done. Absolutely. And so, you know, that's... I'm excited to see what he does next because this this felt... It didn't feel like a crazy horror slasher film to me. It felt kind of more of like an event film. Mm. You know? It felt big. Yeah. And that was kind of interesting to me because it is such an intimate film throughout the whole throughout the whole thing. Well, what did what did you think of the characters themselves? Because Winston Duke was was my favorite because I saw myself. This is again representation. He plays Gay Wilson in the in the movie, and he's the father of the bunch. But every time he talks, every time he says you were cracking up. He's just like he's the corny black dad that we all know and love. Or not black dad, but just that dad that's like will make you nervous or jealous if you're talking to your friends. You saw a lot He's of Spencer that, Pacinger absolutely. in uh, Winston Duke's character? 100%. Like, Gabe, Gabe. His name was Gabe. <laughs> Yeah. Just like being exhausted after like killing your body double. And he's not like shirk or anything. He's just like, fuck. He also like, had like this... Uh, his, let's take a break. <laughs> he had this like East Coast uh, Ivy League prep vibe. Yeah. And he was wearing like Sperry topsiders <laughs> and like really short shorts. And he, and I was like, what is happening? <laughs> so that was pretty funny. But I mean, the, the movie itself is just geared around... It's, it's called Us, and a lot of people believe it's a play on the word of, of the United States of America, obviously U.S., but the plot of the story is you have this these genetically modified humans that apparently the government found a way to clone humans, right. and they kept them underneath, I mean, underground in a bunch of subway systems and, and yeah. hallways. It's, it's, that part is a little... They op- Just to go on that really quick, yeah. they open the movie and they say there's a there's a... Uh, not a quote. It's just a line which it's comes like out and it says there are thousands of miles of abandoned subways and you know railroad stations under um, Tunnels the United and States. Everything. And the interesting part about that was they start fading the text out, and the last one that comes in it says many have no known purpose at all. Yeah. And then everything fades out except that sentence, mm-hmm. and it kind of goes away. And in hindsight, that had to do a lot with these people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Sorry, I no, just no. Had to but so apparently the government they found a way to clone humans, mm-hmm. but and this is where it comes out later on in the story, they couldn't find a way to clone the soul because they didn't know what they were doing with the soul. So technically, when you clone that person in the film, you're tethering the clone to the actual person. Yes, and that is a, it's a story of just the duality of the haves versus the have-nots. So obviously the have-nots are the, are the people going around killing people, and the haves are you know the families above ground. But it just it's, it's a story of what happens when the people that have been pushed down and, and kicked and the second-class citizen finally gets a, gets a chance to revolt. Yeah. yeah. Th- this, um, I'm going to put on my, I finally use my college degree here, my human <laughs> development degree. This sounds From like... DeVry? Yeah, it's <laughs> University of Phoenix. Oh, okay. Um, so this sounds like nature versus nurture, right? Mm. And and the product of your environment because of, I mean, Lupita's character, right? Yeah. She 
it, the the whole twist at the end is that they revert, they switch, and, right? And that's where, yeah. And I know, I know, we'll get to that because I have a whole thing on that. Mm-hmm. But because it, I'm glad you mentioned that because people, everybody is getting something different out of this film, mm-hmm. and I think that's the beauty of it. And I bet you, Jordan Peele is like, you know smiling his ass off in like his Scrooge McDuck gold coin, whatever, <laughs> like set up just like, like, you know, cause this movie's doing so well, but, um, the actors, what they had to do to portray both these people, yeah. you know, yeah. and Lupita and Winston, there's that, that, that scene when, you know, this family comes to the home for the first time and, you know, there's a family in our driveway and, um, when you see them all in the room for the first time, that, that was intense. And I remember there's a scene, that scene, she tells the story of basically who these shadows are and they're, why they're tethered and, mm-hmm. and the human soul and all this stuff. And I didn't understand it the first viewing. Then the second, you've seen the movie, so you know exactly what they're saying and what they're kind of laying out. My only critique on that, all that was, I just wish we had more backstory on how those replicants were built. And I mean, I don't know if that's the right no, word, no, but replicants. You know, what was that? Blade Runner, yeah, yeah, Blade Runner. <laughs> uh, but uh, you know, kind of how they came about. But uh, what you were saying is, to me, you talked about the soul and how you know you couldn't build the soul. Yeah. Well, the fact that they did, you know, the twi- big twist is that you know Lupita's, you know, doppelganger flipped with her. Um, and ended up living the normal life yeah. back when they were children. Back when they were yeah. children, and that's how the scene. That's how the movie opens. You know, there's an eight-year-old um, uh, uh, Lupita um, Red, and yeah. um, that was played by Madison Curry, and she did. She was a great actress, mm-hmm. the young, the young Lupita, and she goes, you know, to this hall of mirrors and has this big run-in. But with the flip, the way I took it was, it's how you feed the soul, mm-hmm. and you know these people, you know, you see them underground and, and they're, they're moving in weird ways. They're, they're eating rabbits to survive. They're slamming their head against walls and, and, you know, doing their best to mimic what people are doing on the surface. And Red's, a young Red, her character, you know, when she flipped spots, you could see how one progressed and one regressed. Yeah. And I thought that was what was really interesting because it was kind of just how you feed the soul, what you give to it and what that, how you kind of turn into the person you are. Well, in, in, in talking about uh, the young red perspective, a lot of people, once they saw it, they go, well, why didn't she just leave? Like, once the handcuffs were off, why didn't she just walk right. out? Imagine going through that experience as an eight-year-old girl. Like, so how she gets down there... I said the same shit at first. <laughs> I was like, get out! <laughs> That's but, the other movie. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Good. Yeah. But, but as she, <laughs> like, how she gets down there is, you know, if she says something pulled her down there. Not, a, not, an entity, not an entity, but more like a feeling caused her to go into this Hall of Mirrors where she met her doppelganger and that's where the switch, the switch took place. But as an eight-year-old girl where you don't know what the world is, the world is still this big, mysterious place. She was wearing a Thriller shirt, uh, obviously like Michael Jackson with the red, and that's another tie-in is the red that uh, the tethered have is pretty much a play on Michael Jackson's red uh leather jacket from the oh even the single glove the single glove that they had that's another michael jackson tie-in but as an eight-year-old girl her mom says in the movie you know how she said i hope that i hope that t-shirt doesn't scare her you know how she reacted when it came on so she was already scared of michael jackson because michael jackson in thriller turned into this 
this zombie-like character, which is, again, a, no, a nod to the tethered. So as an eight-year-old girl experiencing this trauma that she's had, she knows the world to be, there might be people out there like Michael Jackson's thriller video. And now she's deep into that world. So she's so terrified, she doesn't know if she can leave. Yeah. And she knows that this, she doesn't know if this isn't real or not. It's her world. Yeah. So that's what I thought was really interesting is people are trying to throw their perspective into this eight-year-old uh, Lupita's well, slash Red character. And I'm like, you can't do that. You have to see the world through the, through the lens of this girl taking in this traumatic experience. Yeah. No. And she did. And you felt that. And you could tell that, you know, Lupita, just the way she was carrying herself throughout the movie the second time around. Mm-hmm. That was the most noticeable aspect the second time around was just she she was a a leg up on most things, whether you realized it or not. Yeah. Um, She never acknowledged or seemed she never acknowledged what was happening, but she never seemed confused. Mm -hmm. You know, she was just she was just scared because she was preparing for this situation, which now makes sense because you find out she's not the real red anyways. And even when the shit hit the fan, she still couldn't outwardly say I used to be one of them. I, yeah. I come from them. I know who they are. All she would do is say, I know how they think. They think like us. They know what we're going to do. They know what we're going to be. Though she was essentially just dropping those little Easter eggs to her family saying, you guys need to follow me because I know how to beat these people because yeah. I used to be those. And when she kills, she kills a, a couple people in the, in the film. After she kills them, like she grunts and talks like the tethered. And her son sees that. And I don't know if you caught this, but after she kills that, that second twin. I caught that. Her son catches her like grunting and talking like that. Yeah, she's making weird sounds. She's making very weird sounds that apparently she's never made before. And that's one where I have a theory with her son. Yes, he sees her do that. But when Red steals her son, again, another spoiler alert. When Red steals her son and takes her down to the hallways, I think the Red that we know told her told her son about the switch that happened. Because even after uh, Lupita rescues her, rescued her son from the locker, she hugs him. He doesn't hug her back. Like his hands are above her like, I'm just as scared as you well, yeah. as I should be. And she says the lines, you're safe now, do you understand? And he goes, and like, no. no. And like that was, that was what hit me. I'm getting goosebumps. That was what <laughs> hit me was just like, this kid knows something's up. Yeah. And, um, I that car when they leave in the car at the very end and they're kind of looking at each other. Yeah, it says it all because he pulls his mask down and you know God, there are so many like little symbolic moments. He's yeah, only yeah. Like, he only does that when he's scared. And and he's looking at her like, like, you, like I don't fucking trust you. <laughs> but there were so many signs that we were discussing that lead up to her being this person. Mm-hmm. You know, she was a vegetarian at the table with the family. She's eating a. Uh, she was eating strawberries. Sure yeah. You know, uh, when she even when she kills um, uh, the other red, you know, when her kids in the uh, locker, when she kills her, she starts doing those sounds again, too, yeah. and gets really like. Ah. And for those of you who haven't seen it, I mean, don't know why you're listening to this, but, you know, the tethered speak to each other in moans and grunts. They don't talk. Yes. They, they talk. It's like Argh! like it's very strange. That was that was the biggest key too because like Red, the Red is the only one of the tethered that can talk. Mm-hmm. But having only been able to talk to people up until she was eight years old, and then having to talk to people with just grunts for the next however thirty years of her life, her English is fractured, and yeah. and 
she's trying the hardest to get her words out. She does get them out, but it comes through that film of the tether's language. So and I didn't catch that the first time. I just thought, oh yeah, she's special. She's able to learn words. But then when you look back at it, it's like, well, how would she have been able to learn the English language down there when everybody's grunting? So that, that to me, that was the biggest, uh, the biggest Easter egg that they kind of threw at us and said, hey, this is the first that you guys can see of the story. This is the movie too, and, and producer Matt said it earlier, you don't want to know shit about this film going in. Yeah. And you know, I think that's something we lack nowadays where we go into <laughs> films and we're like, read the Wikipedia page last night, and I know yeah. about what's, what's about to happen. But for this, walking in it, you know, not knowing nothing about it, I, I'm going back. I got to do a third screening for sure. I think it's fascinating just from a meta standpoint how we're talking about this movie thematically, right? Yeah. We say them, the, just the language, the real ones, and like what, what makes them more or less real than the tethered I'm saying what makes the tethered less real and it's the soul but it is it it really is your environment that you come from it's how you're nurtured and right. it's like it's it's that's to me like we, we've talked about this and I know you may have a different well, angle I mean she says it when Red says it clear as day in the film where I, I think Winston Duke says like who are you guys and she looks at him and goes we're Americans yeah. and that's something yeah. that it doesn't matter how tall, short, big, fat, whatever color you are, whatever gender, you know, sexual preference, whatever. At the end of the day, we're all Americans in this country. So that was the one thing that says, yes, we look this way. Yes, we eat, we eat rabbit and we dwell in the sewers, but we're still Americans just like you. But for some reason, the government threw us away. And yeah. And when you see those scenes down in, in where the tethered are, it it looks claustrophobic. It looks dirty. It looks like... It looks like the shittiest DMV in LA. <laughs> and we almost like separate, like when we're talking about, it, we say them and we're talking about it mm -hmm. like that. And it's the same thing as, as when. Not even thinking about it. Right. But, but they're people too. Yeah. And yeah. when you, when you talk about them that way, it distances these, these people. And I, I think that is such a great commentary on mm -hmm. how we talk about uh, socioeconomic standing Absolutely. In, in this country. Absolutely. And, and Jordan Peele talks about this uh, immensely when he goes, the idea about this movie came about because we're so worried about outside forces. We're so worried about this entity that's going to come in and, and wreck us in some form, some way, shape or form. But at the end of the day, like we are our own worst enemies. And what's the greatest embodiment of that is looking yourself like face to face, a different version of yourself, knowing that at any point you can be that person. And that's what the story talks about when, when Lupita makes a switch at any moment in time, that switch could ha could happen to any of us. Yeah, mm -hmm. and and it's just like you said. How do you feed the soul? How do you nurture the soul? Like Lupita went, or Red, I should say, went from being a girl born in the abyss, essentially, and now she's living a fulfilled life, and she has to go back down that road to essentially save her family. But she was able to crawl out of that. She, she was, was. to to make a life for herself, and it's like. What would have happened if the government didn't throw away that experiment and brought them into the world? It, it's it's you're a product of your environment in a lot of ways, yeah. and that was an that is an example of it. And it's crazy because you see the person. It gets a little tricky, I know, but the person the original Red becomes is night and day. Yeah, from what they were, and it all is about your environment and how you push forward and who is guiding you and who's speaking in your ear and telling you that your decisions are right or wrong. Mm -hmm. And that's how I, that's what I took out of the movie. Um, and 
you know, I, he definitely knows that's not his mom. I'm just saying that. There, I mean, there might be an us too. It, an, it, an, well, an he spoke error. on that. He said, he's like, well, I guess, yeah, I guess I kind of created a universe now. Yeah. It was interesting because the movie kicks off also with, in 1986, the Hands Across America um, commercial. And, you know, it's funny, they were talking about that last night, but there's lyrics in those where it says, and when they laugh, I laugh. And when they cry, I cry. And when mm -hmm. they need me, I'll be right there by their side. All of, all of the lyrics within that um, song, which plays throughout the, you know, throughout the movie, there's, there's a shirt that has a big, you know, kind of plays a MacGuffin role. Yeah. But uh, it's all about just coming together. And it says, the heart of a stranger beats the same as a friend. And all of these things. And it just, it, it talks about unity and coming together. And the very last shot of, um, of the movie, you see that that spoke to her. Mm -hmm. And that's what the tethered are doing. They're literally lining up like, we, like America attempted to do in 1986 across the country. Yeah. Um, so it leaves it somewhat rather vague for what could happen next. Um, but uh, I loved that. And just, you know, you talk about things you peel back and you, you sit and look for all the little <laughs> diamonds in the rough. Like that was something I saw that I read about where it was just everything had a reason for being there. Yeah. Like, to service the story. Even that, so throughout the movie, uh, Red and Lupita, they keep seeing the numbers 1111. And when you first see this number, it's from uh, the Bible quote, Jeremiah 1111. Mm -hmm. And that says, therefore us saint the Lord, behold, I will bring even upon, evil upon them, which they, <laughs> which they shall not be able to escape. And though they shall cry unto me, I will not uh, hearken unto them. So pretty much like they're going to cry and they're going to whine about it and I'm just not going to pay attention to them. Yeah. And I believe, I believe that is the tether talking to the people above ground. Or I, I, can we just call them humans? Or right. I, don't, I don't even know what to call the other. Like we know the tether is called the, the tethered. Yeah. But we technically don't know how they... Uh, the untethered. Categorize. Is it the untethered? This is just a guess, but let's I feel just, like I got just, it right. Let's just say that, but yeah. I feel like that is, that's the tether talking to the untethered. Like, once we get our chance to shine, we're not going to listen to your cries. We're not going to listen to your pleads because now it's our time to go into the world and, and be who we want to be. Yeah. So. Yeah. How, how do you, <laughs> I know, it's heavy, right? It's, it's I'm, I'm heavy. just like heavy thinking, like, I, I keep thinking about it just like, like, oh man, like what did I miss? And it, it's, it's a lot to take in. I, I did, I went into it initially thinking, and, and this is where some people are going to come for me, but we're living in this world now where no matter what happened or no, no matter what is created by a black producer, director, whatever, we're going to naturally say it's this great product. It's going to, it's amazing. It's transcendent. It's blah, blah, blah. And we had that. There have been some black directors, producers, actors out there that have made some fucking duds over the years, but it kind of gets washed away because it's that, oh, since they made something, we're going to prop it up and we're going to we're going to put our all into it because if they're able to prop, if we're able to prop this shit up, it makes the shit that we're working on easier to get passed through. Mm -hmm. So when I went into when I went into see us for the first time, I saw all those tweets of it's so great, it's transformative, it's you know amazing, he's a Hitchcock-like storyteller, and I'm like, are y'all saying this because he's a black director in this day and I age, mean, or is the shit actually that dope? And when I, when I left that first screening, I was like, the jury's still out, I'm gonna I'm read up a little bit on it, and I'm gonna see it a second time, but I can truly say, a second time around, although there were some plot holes, this was a, this was a really dope movie that 
can potentially set up a universe for Jordan Peele. Yeah. So what, you, what you're saying is it's kind of like the cool thing to do now is to is to say that like if you're not, then you're not a progressive. Like you're not allowed exactly. to say that this movie wasn't. Well, it, it was good, but prom- it, even if you weren't, even if you didn't like it, you you're not a progressive if you don't think it's if good. You, you, it seems <laughs> like if you had quite, like people nowadays, people are so timid to question things. Yeah. And they're, they're, they're allowing themselves to go with the pack, whether they want to or not, just because they don't want to get called out. But I can still have, you know, the utmost respect for Jordan Peele or a Steven Spielberg. Again, I'm sorry, Steven Spielberg. But I can still be critical. I have a right I, to be critical of what, you, of what product you're presenting to us. But that doesn't take away the fact that, like, I think you're a dope creative i and we've we've talked about this numerous times i mean just a couple weeks ago i think spencer you said black panther wasn't one of your favorite marvel movies it's not even a top five marvel movie. and you got attacked yeah and i remember being in a conversation uh with a, a few female friends saying i didn't really like wonder woman that much and i got fucking worked <laughs> and i was like i i didn't hate it i just i didn't like like you know, and I'm not a sexist and I'm not the, a bad guy. I just didn't love is, the movie. Like, the third act is objectively not great in that movie. <laughs> you know, right? we can all agree on that. I, but those, it doesn't mean it wasn't, it wasn't a bad, bad movie. movie. No. no, but it's okay to have opinions. And now we're being told in some spaces it's not. But even, even, <laughs> with, even with Green Book, where, you know, I had a, I asked a friend, how did they like Green Book? And I hadn't seen it. And they looked at me and said, oh, we, it's, we needed that. We needed that movie. And I'm like, Really, we needed a movie about one of the best pianists in the world about Pianist? his driver. Yeah, like I, I made sure to enunciate that yeah. properly. I know I'm a, <laughs> it's a weird word. It's a tricky one. <laughs> yeah, but it's just like no, I can question. I can question things, but that doesn't tie into my respect for whoever made it. Yeah, like again, Jordan Peele is amazing, and I'm going to probably see everything he creates until he gives me a reason not to. But I'm still allowed and to be critical of his work. Here's where I want to get to with us. And just to close out, I watched that movie and I didn't think twice about any of that shit. Mm-hmm. I just watched a good story and it didn't matter, you know, who was at the center of it. Yeah. And I wish we could just kind of focus on those things and like the storytelling and that there were no racial aspects or, you know, social aspects. I mean, maybe there was commentary, but there was nothing so front and center, you know, message wise that is like, you know, fuck you America. Like this is what you're doing wrong. It was more of just, I'm going to a a good horror movie. There's a black family at the center of it. I'm not thinking twice about it. I walked out. That was dope. I'm going to go again. Exactly. Who cares? It's, it was just a good movie. There, there were, there were slight racial undertones within it, but I feel like that came so natural because black, like black people do talk it about that. It didn't, but it didn't take away from the story. Like when, when Winston Duke's character, uh, Gabe, he's constantly comparing himself uh, to his white friend. Uh, I forget his name. Uh, 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 played by Tim Heidecker. Uh, yeah. Josh. 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 He's, yeah, he's yeah, yeah. like, he buys a rickety old boat because Josh has like a fucking yacht called, uh, his yacht's name is called like. Biatch. 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 Or, yeah. or, uh, <laughs> it's like Biatchin, I think. Uh, Biatch, but yeah. <laughs> Y-A-C-H-T-C-H. But it's, it's, it's that conversation of like Fuck. constantly comparing yourself to your white counterparts because you never feel like you're good enough. And just even with like little minute things where when right when you meet the tethered family, the, the tethered side of the story, they're trying to break into the house. I know where you're going. And this was, this was another thing that before she even spoke, this was another Easter egg, and it made us realize that like, oh, this is the girl 
she she switched. Yep. Because Red walks her to the door, and this is when Winston Duke character, I think his name was uh, uh, Abraham. Uh, Gabe. Uh, Abraham was the bad version yeah, of him. Yeah, Abraham's trying to break in. Gabe is holding him off. Mm-hmm. But then Red walks up and picks up the fake uh, rock that yeah. has the, the house key in it. The hide key. And Winston Duke is like, what is happening? And Lupita's like, Oh, the the fake rock or whatever. Like no, they got the hide a key. The hide a key, and what's the dude's like? What kind of white shit is is that? And I'm like, and that's something that was like, yeah, that's something culture with black people was like. <laughs> why would I give people the option to find a way to break into the home? Hour later, I look at I, I, Spencer and his brother. I look at his brother. I go, "Do you guys have a hide a key?" And he goes, "Fuck no!" no. And I'm like, "Oh yeah," because hey. We all had hide see, a key. I don't, I don't understand well, that shit. Like, I grew up in Maine, the the whitest place probably in America, and we just left our doors unlocked see, half the I, time. Okay, let's get in. We can get into this very. Briefly. We've gotten into yes. this, but I. So I went to school, obviously University of Oregon. I shout out to my my brother, every you know Brian Butterfield, Chad Peppers. Those are the guys I lived with the majority of my time at Oregon, but Butter would just walk into the house and leave the door unlocked, and I'm like what the fuck are you doing? Like, we live in Eugene, Oregon. He's like, yeah, we live in Eugene, Oregon. Well, that was Pullman, Washington, too. Like, but from where I'm from, you don't do that shit. There's no fucking hide key We have bars on our windows. Like, we're constantly trying to keep people out, not allowing people to come in. Dude, so I've I, seen All-American. <laughs> I know. So it's just, just the hide key shit was just so funny because it's, yes, it has like a racial undertone to it, but in that moment, um, imagine a, a family's trying to break into your house and you look at your wife, you're like, a fucking hideaway key? Like, I what kind of white shit is I that? didn't take it that way. I didn't think twice about it. But then, you know, when he and his brother laughed, I'm like, wait a minute. What? Hey. That's not normal? <laughs> I'm like, oh, okay. But they're, they're you know, we don't, really, we don't really know, like, horror movies to have slapping soundtracks. But I remember the first time we saw it, I tapped you on the shoulder when, so the one of the, the scene where... They, they're panning out and you're showing all the different rabbits. Yes. That score that is playing over that scene was fucking thumping. Yeah. And I looked down and there's a black dude sitting by himself with his like popcorn. And his oh, brother. yeah. And my dude is jamming like he's in his car driving down. He Pico. had his own like, commentary, he too. Was he's like, like, here he was we go. Bobbing, like, yeah. Uh, uh, this movie's yeah. sweet. We were like a minute in. But like, <laughs> I, saw, I saw, I felt myself like, oh, this shit got like a little toe tap to it. Yeah. I look to you and you're just watching it. But I look down to my man and he's he's full on like, uh, let's get it. I liked that. It was a very like ominous like uh, tone with the rabbits. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah but the but shit it was, was slapping. It was it was, was loud. Slapping. It was big. But what, I mean, any final thoughts before we wrap up here? Any quick quick thoughts about this movie? Big win for Jordan Peele. I say I say this is a this is a huge win for Jordan Peele. This huge was, win. This was the the highest grossing. Uh, original concept for a horror film ever, uh, $70 million at the box office. One thing I would say that could have made it better is showing a little bit of insight, like you said, mm-hmm. of the experiment that created the tethered. Maybe maybe there's a fucking prequel to this. Like you know, her- he said he created, he might have created a universe, but yeah. if we were able to get some context of those tunnels and of the experiment that created the tethered, I think this can tie a bore around it so much better. Yeah, yeah, and I know this, you know, it's just something to think about because we don't know the answer, but how convenient it was for just their doubles to find their doubles. You yeah. know what I mean? That was a little iffy sometimes where like uh, J- Elizabeth Moss uh, plays a big role in the movie yeah. too from The Handmaid's Tale, everything. Yeah. Basically, she's great. Um, and she plays Tim Heidecker. Tim Heidecker was an interesting casting. Tim and Eric <laughs> Awesome Show, but he did a great job. Yeah, he did. Um, 
but they had doubles too. And that was where you realized, oh, this wasn't, because at first I was kind of going in, oh, maybe is this like a ghost, a spiritual thing? But mm -hmm. then it was like, no, these are exact doubles. Um, so, you know, maybe a little explanation on that. Uh, a little more explanation would have been helpful. Yeah, but just in terms of the potholes, like maybe you don't go back to that house if you know what's coming. Yeah, and, and yeah, we... Maybe you sell that house. I know like it was owned by, um, by Lupita's parents family and yeah and, and they had passed but they came back to it but i'm like if if you're trying to avoid this dark cloud that's hovering over you like she says maybe you sell that property instead of going to santa cruz like you go to santa barbara or you go to like i wouldn't and don't go, go back to the beach, the beach where you got where you did that not only don't go back to the beach don't go like 40 yards away from where you made your switch they always say criminals revisit the crime scene <laughs> um but i that was a huge win for jordan peele i think what he's doing is um a pretty honest template of what I think what any creator really wants to do is just being able to tell the stories you want to tell on a platform like this and at a scope like this and to do it in so many interesting ways. I mean, look, there are even laughs in that movie. You know, he can do, he, he's doing some really special work. So mm -hmm. if Jordan Peele's listening, keep it up. He's being himself. <laughs> he, yeah. He's, be, he's being himself and not having to, to answer to any higher up. He's telling the story he wants to tell. And I think once you're, when everybody's able to do that, that's when the best content will be able original to, content able too. To watch. Original content. It was just from his head. I love <laughs> it. It's cool. Well, we could talk about this forever. We yeah. could. However, let's take the conversation over to social. So use the hashtag Film Study Podcast. Tweet the guys at Paysinger with no vowels at Dane Mork. Subscribe and rate us five stars. Five stars. Oh. And check out All American now on Netflix. And follow us on Instagram, Film Study Podcast. Thanks, guys. Signing off. Yep.